The other thing that makes it different is we really like to emphasize the fun. People come to the class all the time and say, I'm not a dancer. And then they turn out to be like these fine dancers. Here's the thing. Everybody's a dancer. Again, going back to what we're born with, we're born with that sense of rhythm. We're born with that sort of affinity for music and rhythm. And it's all about just giving yourself the chance to feel it and move with it. So we like to tell people in the class, there's no right way to do it. Welcome to Second Act Fit Pros. I'm your host, Erin, a certified functional aging specialist, and this is the podcast where I highlight the vibrant and active lives of health and fitness professionals over 50. This is the show for those who believe that age is just a number and that life's work is far from over when you hit the half century mark. I'll talk to inspiring individuals who have a passion for health and have a second act career in health and fitness. So whether you're approaching 50 or already well into your second act, join me as I explore the possibilities and opportunities in the health and fitness field. I'm speaking with Susan Fricken. She's a physical therapist in private practice in Madison, Wisconsin, and co-creator of Ballroom Basics for Balance. Ballroom Basics for Balance, or BB for B, provides intergenerational and accessible balance in falls prevention classes by inspiring creative movement experiences that fit into the culture of each community. The curriculum is based on the best therapeutic principles of balance and falls prevention. It brings together people to celebrate and the joy and wisdom of movement through dance and share tools to improve self-efficacy and confidence. This is a program that Susan has developed in her second act. I had the joy of attending a BB for B workshop and found it to be a really fun and innovative way of training balance and improving fall resiliency. At the end of the interview, I left in part of our conversation where we talked about where we're at with developing our ideas and programs. For Susan, it's BB for B, and for me, it's creating a community of Second Act Fit Pros that can help deliver fun programs like BB for B to their communities. I thought it would be helpful to hear how we're still figuring it out and how we find and pull together the right resources, partnerships, and make it sustainable. It's easy to only want to put on display a finished product after we think we figured it all out, but putting our ideas into the world is a continual learning process, and it's helpful to have conversations with others that are on the path of learning and development. Here's my conversation with Susan. One of the things I tell people is to create what you wish existed in the world. And I feel like that for you, that's the BB for B program. That's good that you say that. So like you think you see that is what I wish and I created it. And it feels magical like that. It's very strange. I kept the very, the first couple of years I kept saying, like people actually would say, yeah, I'll join you. Yes, I'll volunteer with you. Yes, I'll train to teach a class. And I would go, really? (laughs) Really? Mm -hmm. All right. Because I had this sort of, wow, this would be really cool if, why don't I try it? And then people just kept joining me. And I just, that to me has been the most Mm. cool part is that I had this idea and vision and people saw it. Mm. It wasn't a stall in my head because I'm one of those people who has an idea every minute. And mostly they just are ideas, but to have it be realized and to have other people join in and share what they have to offer is just so cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So does that kind of help encourage you to actually make it a legitimate program and get it launched? Yes. Just that okay. And I have people on board really early telling me I'm one of those people who 
I want to think of all the goals and all the things to do and then start doing all of them right now and force it into reality. That's my, I have that kind of tendency, but I had really good people around me too saying, just let it unfold. Just see where it wants to go. Let's let it happen a little bit. So that was probably the best advice that I got too. I know to surround myself with really good people. <laughs> That's my superpower, I think. I also, I have skills. I think I'm good at what I do, but I think I'm the best at what I do because I'm smart and I include people <laughs> who are really great, wonderful, thoughtful, interesting people with skills. You are now one of those people, so thank you. Oh, yeah. You are a human connector. Susan, I can just see how you pull people together and you have this like kind of magnetism about you. That is what I do. It is true. I'm glad to have a thing. And it's fun because other people don't like doing that or they don't want to do that. And I just find it to be compelling and, and fun and interesting and just so rewarding. You know how if you click two things together and it's just so satisfying when it fits? That's like what I get to do all the time. I get to introduce people or introduce things and people. So I just feel like it's always that little snick of a satisfying thing. Yeah. I love that too. When I meet people and I see programs, I always like in my head, I think who needs to know about this person? Who else needs to know about this program? How do we connect those dots? I got that sense from you as well. So (laughs) I'm so glad you did. And you've already done that for me and the Functional Aging Institute. And I just yesterday, I am Part of what I get to do with my life is I get to, this will be the seventh year that I have, I'm an adjunct faculty at UW-Madison, University of Wisconsin-Madison, so in the physical therapy program, and I get to help teach the health promotion and wellness class, which I also helped redesign seven years ago. We reformed it, refigured it to make it more interesting, less stressful on the students, and more experiential. And Yesterday, I was able to tell one of the students about the Functional Aging Institute. He was very interested in strength training for older adults. And I just, it was so refreshing. Here's this young person. Usually people don't start thinking about it until they have older people in their lives or they themselves get older. But it was neat to have him be somebody so young already and still just in school wanting to do that. And I get to work with prevention wellness and fitness and helping the new people going out into the world just think about it in a different way. So let's back up. Let's talk about your history. Let's talk about how you got started, your professional background, and what led you to starting Ballroom Basics for Balance. Okay. Conciseness is not my strong suit, so I will focus. I have always been a mover and a kinesthetic person. Went to college and did the usual things. I was a, I did sports and cheerleading and dancing and gymnastics when I was a kid. And in college, I did dance company at a very small college where you didn't have to be a really good dancer. Everybody got to join in. So I had a lot of opportunities to do things and move. And So when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, because college didn't really make that clear, I 
had the opportunity to study to become a massage therapist. So hands-on helping people, that sort of thing was very, it made a lot of sense to me. So I became a massage therapist, but I didn't want to do it right away. It was interesting. So I had other jobs, moved around to different places. And eventually it became, I had no idea what physical therapy was all the way up into my early 30s. So long and short of it is I became aware of it and became, I had the need to start to focus on making a living. And I thought, huh, what is this? So I looked into it. I took a class. I thought, okay, I'm going to go down this path. I became a physical therapist. And I had been since doing full-time jobs, like office jobs, nonprofit jobs. And then I did also massage and started my own practice part-time. And also one of the jobs I had along the way was trying to figure out what would be fun to do with my life was ballroom dance teacher. And most of the studios out there will teach you. And then when you advance, you teach students at that level and then they teach you more and you go and they go forward. It's a lot of selling, but it was really fun. And so I had all these various experiences in my life as I tried to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. So that came in handy when It comes in handy when you're just working with people who come from different places and you may have experienced something in your life that they do. So here I am in my second career. I started physical therapy school when I was 40, 30, no, yes, somewhere around there, 20 years after I'd graduated from undergraduate school. So I was definitely in a second act for sure. And I knew that I wanted to do lots of hands-on work, but I also knew that I was worried that I would be put into sort of a conveyor belt, a mainstream box. I was worried because I I always felt like creativity was also a really big piece of how I wanted to live my life and do things. I always have tried to do it the normal way, but it just never works out for me. So I get out of school and I'm in, here's how Ballroom Basics was born. Ballroom Basics for Balance. I'm in a nursing facility working with a gentleman in what we call the balance bars, so parallel bars, so they can hang on. I've got a gate belt around his waist and we're walking forward, backward, sideways. And he's just so bored and I'm so bored. And I'm like, oh, why don't we just put music on? We'd just be dancing. That would be much more fun because it's essentially what we were doing. And then I just couldn't get the idea out of my head. And I was a new graduate and I thought, Susan, you're not supposed to do this right now. You're supposed to nose to the grindstone, get some hours under your belt. But of course I can't. So I'm starting my own private practice based on my massage practice, which I had for a while and all the way through school. I'm trying to add all these new skills to it. And I'm like, okay, I don't need this, but I decided to pursue it. I knew some people who were doing things like silver sneakers, teaching seniors fitness classes and some of my fellow classmates. And then I thought, why not invite some PT students? Because I know how bored they are sitting there in the classroom right now. So we just started it at a local senior center that was very open to the idea. And it just was supposed to be like, oh, this would be fun. A bunch of people came and then a bunch of people kept coming. And I thought, why don't we do, one of my professors had said, why don't you do some tests while you're at it? 
I'm like, that's a great idea. Then we can give people their scores. They can have an idea of what they're doing, where they are, what's going on. And then it just took off and it kept happening and it kept being my favorite part of the week. And over the almost 10 years now, it's just grown to be so much richer. We have an actual curriculum. We've partnered with so many volunteers and we've trained people to teach it. And people are now coming from outside Wisconsin, as you have, to experience it and see if it's something you want to use. And it's just my whole goal and has been to share what we are doing and to share the joy because people, honest to God, people like it and they say it makes a difference. And so I have a little bit of imposter syndrome, which I'm working on getting rid of, but it really people just, it's a fun way to move and to a lot of people say it improves their balance. And I do think there's this social piece, this loneliness piece. There is the, there are other pieces of it, of course. We focused on balance and falls prevention, but it's so much more than that. And it's a community and it's intergenerational and at least my classes are. So I don't know. And I love that the, our main thing is trying to make it work and fit and adapt. I think that's a real key thing. So it's yeah. not a rigid curriculum. It's a curriculum with guidelines and it has we have a brand but it's it fit whatever you want to do is what you should do whatever dances you like are the dances you should do because those are going to be the most fun for people to learn because if you're not having fun they're not having fun yeah. i also think if the culture of your place does a lot of line dancing or if it does a lot of polka you should have that mm -hmm. so. yeah what made you, you're really involved in balance and fall prevention. What made you take that focus? That's really interesting. I've always really enjoyed being with older adults, but it wasn't supposed to be my focus. I was going to do lots. Of, I was going to be a massage therapist plus when I got out of PT school, because I knew the hands-on work. I was just going to do that. But uh, one of my softball teammates, <laughs> I joined a softball team when I was in college, just a local, and she was a PT. And she had been involved in balance and falls prevention work locally and said, hey, I think you would like this. And so I started, I trained to be a stepping on facilitator. And a stepping on is an evidence-based falls prevention program. It's fantastic. It's multifactorial. It's a support group model. And it's really effective. Um, and so a lot of the principles from that class found its way into the work that I did going forward. I still facilitate those courses. They're super cool. It's really wonderful to watch people, some of whom they're independent, but on the verge of maybe not being independent, really make a change and say, this changed my life. I am now aware of X. I am now more careful. I feel stronger. And it's a seven-week class. And so that's that was super inspiring. And I had been um, doing that just after I had started doing that is when I started with the idea for the ballroom basics. And then I've kept being involved in our local falls nonprofit locally that works with evidence-based programming and tries to make an impact in our county for reducing falls. You do a lot of testing with ballroom basics 
my it, phone <laughs> basics for balance. I want to make sure I get it. Right. What are the results that you've seen from people that have gone through the program? So the we've the data we collected, in other words, these tests that we've done, we do a static test and we do a dynamic test and we also do cognitive testing. And then over the years we've done quality of life testing and then we've recently landed on instead of quality of life a confidence test or a survey with the test we've seen we've seen changes in some of the qualitative numbers we have kept the data and anonymized the data even though it was mostly meant to be given back to the participants but the really interesting changes that we see. So we see changes in their static balance and changes in their dynamic balance. We do the four stage balance test and we do the timed up and go test. And I'm happy to provide links to all of this stuff if people want it with any of this. But the interesting changes have been through the cognitive tests. We do the trail making test. And um, we had a student once do some analysis of the test, which showed people who were on the lower end of the score. So in other words, it took them a long time to do this test, showing they might have some cognitive difficulties. They were the ones that improved the most after the end of the classes. And we looked at data over, I think it was four years or five years, and people who had attended a minimum number of classes and had, so they actually showed up to the class. So that was actually, we saw more change in that than we did the static and dynamic balance tests. Also, the fear and confidence indexes that we do little screens on, are you confident doing this or that activity? Those are the things that really also seem to change most meaningfully. The other thing that just happened for us was we partnered with a researcher, Dr. Kristen Pickett at UW-Madison, and she had students in her lab analyze some data. She had one of my classes come to her lab twice, once before and once at the end of my class of 12 weeks. And she conducted the Canadian, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, Canadian Occupational Performance Measure, I do believe is the name of the test, COPM. And what it does, it's a really unique personalized way to look at somebody. She conducted this survey questionnaire along with all kinds of other balance and mobility tests. She has all the cool tools in her lab. And people did pretty well at the beginning, so their change wasn't that much at the end, but the performance measure did show meaningful change. So from the beginning to the end, that also, it has a person set goals. What are your personal goals for your mobility, your performance, your health? I wanna be able to golf 18 holes. I want to be able to get down on the floor with my grandkids. So you have people state what they, what's important to them. And for most of the people, their scores improved over time. So the cool part about it was it mirrors what we are always hoping for is that it's the confidence, it's the adapting of this to the person and their particular needs and their particular where they are. And that's been a sort of tenet of our curriculum since the beginning, which is we want people to make the changes they want in their life. We don't want to force you into an exercise plan. 
mm-hmm. although exercise plans work. <laughs> right. But we want this to be a fun, adaptable thing that meets you where you are. And that's what I liked about that research study is it showed that. Yeah. How are you offering the classes right now? So I teach a class that I've always taught. And I, since we've had people train, there are other instructors in the around the Madison, Wisconsin area, and also further out who will have classes. I teach mine three times a year. I have a spring and a fall indoors where I have a lot of students join me to help. And in the summer, I teach an outdoor class under the trees on the lake side here, which is really super fun. So that's my rhythm. I try to aim for 10 to 12 weeks. I find that to be a really sweet spot. Enough time to really get people moving and to get them practicing and getting these habit formations happening. Enough time to like hope that they're going to continue. And just so that we can actually give them a hope of seeing some change. Other teachers do things like a five-week class here. It depends on the facility that they're working with and the time that they have. But we have ongoing classes. There's also an ongoing Zoom class that's primarily seated and is more adaptive. Those are That's taught by two of our instructors ongoing. And then I will do a Zoom class in the winter months often, and that's a more not an adapted class, usually January, February, when we're in between seasons and people in the winter here don't really want to drive as much or travel. Yeah, it happens a lot in person, often in facilities like rec facilities or senior centers. Are there any creative ways that some of your instructors are offering this class or what have you seen them do with this training? Yeah. Oh gosh, all kinds of stuff. We've had somebody adapt the class to a group of developmentally disabled adults. Oh, sorry about that noise. Is that That's fine? It's my ice maker. <laughs> I'm, oh. <so> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we have had people take it and use it in therapy sessions. So one-on-one with people. We've had people do it in swimming pools therapeutically, or these are usually PTs, physical therapists. I love that one of our instructors, Gwendolyn, she, we often like to, one of the things that makes this class different than a dance class that you might just typically find like a Zumba class or going to a dance studio is we try to not only do the testing, but we educate people a little bit on what's happening. Hey, dual tasking is good. Make sure you practice a lot of time doing static balance as well as dynamic balance. And we explain to everybody what that is. But Gwendolyn uses the dual tasking concept, which is doing two things at once moderately difficultly to help improve those things and improve your balance. And she she is a dance teacher. She mostly taught kids and she has this lovely way of teaching, like she's teaching to a group of kids and it's just so accessible. And she ha- she does, and I think she may have done this with you, where she has she teaches people a dance step like the Roomba, just one little simple step. And she'll have people travel around the room, put the music on. And the other thing she has them do is when you run into another dance participant, you have to share your favorite food with them or something as you are still dancing the step. So you're trying to do these two things at once and everybody starts to giggle and it's really hysterical. And just having people make it their own, again, somebody doing it in small town Wisconsin is definitely doing the polka. 
somebody doing it in Milwaukee might be doing some step in classes. So everybody takes their favorite dances and brings it in. And so it is, it's just really a lot of fun. I love Gwendolyn's drill there with the steps and then running into people and talking about your favorite food. I think we did it to the waltz when I did the training. And so I took it to my people out here and everybody's doing the down up burritos down up, up <laughs> tacos down. Up. It was so fun and silly. I oh, just wow. love that. So it's really more about like the principles and mm-hmm. then you take it and you run with it. Mm-hmm. Make sure you incorporating forward, backward, sideways, turning up, down, trying to challenge people as much as possible, making sure everybody's just like you would do when you're training somebody, you're keeping your eye on everybody in the class and you see somebody who needs a little bit more of a challenge. You need somebody who needs to maybe step it down a little bit, but that's the fun part is trying to give everybody a little something that's theirs, but just something that makes them laugh. We did. One thing I really love is I learned from the participants a lot. And I think we did this too, the molecule dance. Yes. So the chemistry teacher who was retired, who used to teach her students how to vibrate, rotate, and bond with other molecules. <laughs> so using that as our warm up. And I don't even think you need to explain it in detail to imagine what that would look like. And the way that the room just <laughs> changed. There was so much laughter and silliness and yeah, movement, just people move. And when music Mm -hmm. comes on, I think that's the other big thing that really keeps me going is what I do in my physical therapy work, traditional stuff. If you put music on to things or to movement, it just changes it. Mm -hmm. And there's a piece of memory with this. So people coming in contact with people with memory or maybe other neurologic issues there's a magic piece about music which it's not magic but it feels like it yes the molecule dance i think you have a video of which i want to link to have you had anybody do this for memory care people this is our next step one of our what's the word i'm looking for is our new frontier is quite a few people want to bring this to places like memory care assisted living so taking what we've got already and adapting it even further to people who are maybe all sitting or maybe primarily sitting or who are having dementia or other memory issues. We've had people sneak it in here and there, but not officially do a full-fledged class. So I I know that several of our folks, including some of the people on the board and the organizers of that helped me out, are planning to implement this. And we are working on, we've dubbed the inclusive curriculum. We're going to call it Ballroom Basics for Balance Inclusive because it'll be mostly adaptive, but we thought inclusive felt more more correct. That's more Mm -hmm. accurate. Because it's not just taking what we've got and changing it. It's actually creatively making a whole different curriculum. So we're hoping to do that very soon in a real specific way. I personally won't be teaching those classes, but several of the other people who have trained are planning to do that. I was curious about that because music and people with memory care is an amazing transformation. Have you seen the book, Music is the Best Medicine? 
No, you had talked about it at our training. Have you read it? Is it really read it? it Mm I read a whole book. It was wonderful. And why I liked it, it was written for the lay person, but there are many research studies referenced in there. And so I think it was useful to me in that way, even though I know about these things a little bit. It was written by two neurologists who love to dance and they talk about how and why they dance and how they think about it from the standpoint of neurology. And they've each have done studies and they speak a lot to the role of music and that we all have an innate sense of rhythm. And there's so much research out there about that. And then what we do is, as trainers and therapists know, we overlay them with lack of movement. We have environments that don't support movement. And so we we form these other patterns and habits. And or for emotional reasons or shame, people stop moving. Dancing is a big thing. And it's not going to be the way in for everybody to move. But it has a memory. A lot of people have memories of dance that might be positive, some not so much, but so it's a really neat book. And for people who are movers or who work with movers, I would highly recommend it as yet one more way to help people understand what might be a fun way yes. to get moving again. Yeah. So many people love dance, but maybe they haven't explored it completely or they love music. They love moving to music. But this kid and gives them a structure to follow and to implement it into their community or senior living, senior center, whatever it may be. Who does Ballroom Basics for Balance attract? What do you think is like the ideal student for this program? Both instructors and students. More on the instructor side, people are interested in maybe teaching this. Um, it's been a really wonderful wide array. I think people who think outside the box a lot or who have dance, positive experience with dance, whether they consider themselves dancers or not. I do. I would have never said I am a dancer. Again, overcoming imposter syndrome too. But people who love to dance and music, it attracts these people or people who are looking for something new and fresh to offer to their training or their therapy clients, whether it's in session or maybe as a separate offering in their studio or in their gym. We've had dancers, so ballet dancers, we've had other dancers, people who do it semi-professionally or professionally, recreationally. We've had physical therapists and physical therapy assistants, occupational therapy assistants and occupational therapists, personal trainers, definitely. And again, I find that the people who arrive and who really see it and go, yeah, I get this, is our people who are really interested in a little bit, I don't know, I wouldn't say outside the box maybe, but just another fun creative way to meet people where they are or for who wanna diversify their offerings. It's been a really neat and wide array. I don't think people have come mostly just to get the credits, although we offer, we can offer contact hours and stuff. Mm-hmm. Students will come as well. We've had people who work with seniors. Right now we have a retired English teacher who is pursuing becoming a full-fledged teacher because she loves dance. Her mother was in assisted living and she just wants to have something to bring to her. And she really, she took the class, loved it, wanted to teach it. So people like that are coming. We've got 
rec center directors who were doing it. Great. So I would say those are the people who, but I, who it speaks to. Yeah. And are there prerequisites to do the class? The, the only prerequisite is that you come from some sort of a background with, so either you're a trainer, you're a therapist, a movement professional, and, or you have some sort of understanding of working with seniors. So that could be, I teach a falls prevention class to seniors, but I'm not a therapist. And, and if you have a burning desire, like the retired English teacher, and you just have a passion for it, it's, I don't, I like saying yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not, I think it's gotten me this far. So if somebody really has the understanding, can really accept the, we have prereq, we don't have prerequisites, but we have pre-work. We have you read beforehand and look at some stuff. So if you're okay with the little bit of the workload and can take it and run with it, yeah, then. Okay. Yeah. Is it Deb? Was she the retired English? Okay. Yeah. She was in my session. I thought once she gets going, I want to interview her. She's in my class volunteering right now. Oh, great. She wants to do it. And she's a really yeah. good teacher. So mm. she's a really good teacher. She's got the teacher skills. Mm. So it's neat. So I like the fact that we have guidelines. Mm. And I think yeah. it'll speak more obviously to some people. But yeah. What yeah. we'll do too is I think I like to say I'm honing my craft of talking about this. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. But the other thing that makes it different is, and this might be helpful for people here, is we really like to emphasize the fun. People come to the class all the time and say, I'm not a dancer. And then they turn out to be like these fine dancers. Here's the thing, everybody's a dancer. Again, going back to what we're born with, we're born with that sense of rhythm, we're born with that sort of affinity for music and rhythm. And it's all about just giving yourself the chance to feel it and move with it. So we like to tell people in the class, there's no right way to do it. So if, you know, a ballroom dance teacher came by to grade us, they would probably give us a bad grade. But the good grade would come from people are moving and they're doing moving in ways they haven't done in so long and they're having fun doing it and they're getting better. Mm -hmm. So we take it and we run with it. We make it fun. And so fun is a vital sign is another one of the things. Yes. Fun. That is so important that when people are moving, they're having fun. And sometimes we've lost track of that. It's like they need to do these movements in this way and have these functions. Right. And then the fun has been right. put to the wayside. And yeah. I think just like the parkour work, which I have been fortunately able to participate in this last year, mm -hmm. it is, there's a curriculum, but there's a little freedom in how you interpret that curriculum. So I think people who are drawn to teaching this would be people who like variety to insert their own creative ideas mm -hmm. and, and add to what we've already got going. So if prescriptive is better for you, then it might still be fun, but it might not be as fun. Yeah. I have to commend you on all the resources that you provide for the instructors. You have a wealth of resources on your YouTube channel that even if you don't feel like a dancer, like I'm somebody that just likes to dance, but I'm not, don't have any like social dance experience. You really have made it very accessible for instructors to learn that and to bring that into the communities and the people that they serve. I really appreciate that as somebody that's gone through your program. It feels supportive. Like you just don't do a workshop and now 
go do your thing. You've really provided resources and pull people together and you're really great at creating community. I always feel like fun and community are what makes exercise programs sticky and keeps people coming back. Yeah. Sticky is a word. How do you like to create community within your classes for your students? Time, providing them time to socialize. So having a break, and honestly, I think that it just happens more naturally. Having a pleasant space is helpful. So making sure the class is in a place that's accessible and there's lots of time people can sit next to each other and chat. And we include and incorporate checking in. And that sort of comes from some of these other programs like the Stepping On program, which it is driven by the participants. So I think I was a support group facilitator and trained as one in a former life. And it's one of the best things I've ever done because what it did was it took the pressure off of me to fix people and to try to like have to know all the things that people need to do. Of course, I want to be a well-trained instructor, mover, therapist, but it's really, the change really comes from the people. So I think that might be the more important piece of what you're asking, which is I set the parameters, I set the space, make sure that there's a safe space for people and invite them to share what's going on for you. What, you know, have you fallen? What are your challenges? Make sure we get to know each other. Every week we just do a little check-in voluntarily. People don't have to do anything. I think that's important that participation is optional and that I keep bouncing it back to them. So they come up with solutions. Maybe they come up with a step. Hey, let's do a little improvisational movement. And then I think this thing comes out like Mary giving us the molecule dance, you know, it, it all, if I had just been talking and had my agenda the whole time, there would be no space for people to share, to offer ideas, to do a different thing. So I think I know that's critical to the community piece. And I think also to people feeling like they have self-efficacy, that this is really their show. It's about them. It's not about me. Yeah, all of your classes seem really well attended. You do a great job of documenting your classes and pictures and YouTube videos. How are you finding your participants? It's definitely word of mouth. At first, I had to do a little pop-up freebies here and there. Hey, and I tend to be a megaphone just by nature. I'm on all my neighborhood email lists and the Facebook and just... Hey, did you hear about Ballroom Basics for Balance? It's a running joke in my family. Hey, have you heard about this program? So anybody I talk to, I will just mention it. So that's me that helps. But really, it, it just gained momentum. So part, I think partnering with the right people makes sense. For example, having these classes in senior centers that have that they're in touch already with the people that we're targeting. So mm -hmm. the class is targeted to seniors, but it's open to everybody. Anybody who wants to come can come. There is, again, it's more of a yes than a no. There's no real prescription, but those are the people who tend to come. So I, in between classes, I make sure I keep it in front of people in different ways mm -hmm. you know, with, hey, look at this dance that we did, or I'll put out a little balance tip and say, by the way, 
come to ballroom and you can work on your balance some more. So it's not just class begins, class ends, we're done. I just keep the conversation going. And I think that's why they're so well attended. And Gwendolyn, back to Gwendolyn, partnered. She walked into an opportunity with a senior center that does fantastic programming. They have a wonderful reach in their community. So she just stepped into a beautiful situation and had a good product and she's a great teacher. So it's continuing to go well. So I think there are many ways to do that. And that's one of the things I want to keep helping people with. So if somebody comes to train and they've not really got these connections in their community yet, or they haven't really done programming much, or don't know how to talk about this specifically, that's the support I want to keep offering. So we don't just say, okay, thanks for your money, goodbye. But we want to continue to offer that community and help you set up the class and maybe give you some ideas of places that you might connect with or people in your community that you might connect with. Cause it really is all about the community. Mm-hmm. You can do anything all by yourself. That's just crazy. Yes. And I do appreciate that, that you've kept the instructors pulled together, communicating with each other, helpful, supportive environment. So again, it's not like somebody's taking a workshop and goodbye, good luck. There's resources and support. And all of the best things that I do have been stolen from other people. Other instructors are like, hey, we're video recording our sessions and sharing them with our students. I'm like, why don't I do that? So now I'm doing that. So again, I'm better because of other people. And right now we live in a time where you can get images out there very easily to people. So I think that's images. That's like the whole picture is worth a thousand words. A little video clip, a little image. That's way more compelling than just telling you words. Is there anything else that you think people should know about the Ballroom Basics for Balance program that we haven't already covered that you think is worth mentioning? Good question. I do think that statistics, motivating factors for people. I've surprisingly found in my stepping on class and the ballroom classes that sharing stats with people on falls rates and death rates are really galvanizing and motivating to people. Whoa, we can make a change if we get to doing something like parkour or ballroom that can be fun and it doesn't have to be a ton of movement. So I like to share those sorts of resources in the class as well. And we try to provide those and keep those current. Nothing very specifically, I don't think. Is there anything that comes to mind for you that is about the program? Um, maybe how you structured the program, because you can just take it and have tools in your tool belt. You can become an official instructor, correct? Kind of, yeah. So if you join us, I have a training. I can do a two, I can do a one hour. I can do a two hour program for a group of people and just give you this, the idea. And if that's enough to give you an idea of something you might want to create, that's a little thing that we can offer. But the official offering is we do a day long training. It includes a little preparatory study and then a seven hour or doing it hybrid, either Zoom or in person to do, to educate people who might want to use this curriculum and either teach the class officially or incorporate the materials into the world that they already have or start something of their own. So if you stop at that first step, we're still here for you. We're still be community. 
and share ideas, but we ask you not to call it Ballroom Basics for Balance. You could call it Aaron's Amazing Dance class or whatever. If you do want to go one step further, what we have people do is a practical sort of checkout. So on your own, but also with our help if you want it, maybe you take the class and then you teach a sample class of your own and then incorporate the concepts, do the balance tests, show that you can educate people about balance and falls prevention and stick to a sort of the flavor of it. And then we just check you out and you could show us by video, you could invite me to a class, you could come teach a class with me. So there are multiple ways to get to that second step. So it's a two-phase process, mm -hmm. much like the Dance for Parkinson's model, which they invite people to study their curriculum and use the principles and use the materials, but you don't get to be an official Dance for Parkinson's instructor until you go further and then demonstrate. Okay. So that is how we currently have it structured. And then we will have this additional piece of the adapted curriculum or the inclusive curriculum. And when that's finished, you will, you come with an idea already formed of, I want to teach a class in assisted living, or I want to teach a Zoom seated class, and then we will help you make that happen. And that's a separate curriculum. Okay. So you either already you've trained with us once, or you are very experienced in some other way that's clear, and you mm -hmm. have underpinnings of. You're a, a personal trainer that works with older adults all the time and teaches parkour, and so yes, you want to do this also. So you would, you could do that as well. Okay. Susan, I think you serve as an inspiration for, we talked about this at the beginning, somebody that brought something into the world that you wish existed. If somebody else has an idea of something that they feel like they wish existed in the world, whether it's dance or something other movement related, what would be your advice to them? Hmm. Partner with people. Yeah. I, I really think start talking about it to everybody that you can think of because you'd be surprised at what other people know and who other people know and what other people are interested in your person who cuts your hair if you're telling them about it you might not know that one of their best friends has a facility wow hey i know somebody so i think having conversations about your passion is really important and I, I love what you are doing. I love that you are encouraging community and connection, joining communities, looking for people who are doing similar things, like you are trying to connect professionals, movement professionals, some in their, I love the second act thing, the love. And what now? I still have a passion. I don't want to work full time, but I, I really want to make a difference in the world. So the biggest tip I think I have is ask for help, look for community and just talk about your passion to as many people as possible. And if you're not a natural talker, it doesn't matter. Love it. If you're passionate about it, it comes through. Yes. People, it's authentic. People it. mm -hmm. Don't try to make something. I think that's the key. People will respond if it's real. Mm -hmm. If you're just, even if it feels silly, even if you can't, Imagine anybody getting on board. If it's real to you, it's, it really is going to come across and people will, you will find your people. Yes. And they will find you. But yeah. <laughs> I really am convinced of it. And I realize I'm in a bubble. 
of a sort I'm in a place that that values entrepreneurial stuff but I feel like it really doesn't matter I've lived and been in places that are very different and I still think that's true Mm -hmm. yeah if anybody wanted to get more information about ballroom basics for balance see the program what are some of the best places we can direct them to our website is the best, so it's the starting place, and it should link people out from there. So ballroombasicsforbalance.org, and our YouTube channel has, um, we have a an eight dance practice, home practice video where people can self-direct themselves through eight dances, and it can be played at a senior center, so people can just do that right now if they want to. We have some videos on there that explain what our program is about. We have, again, videos that people can steal. We, I like to do open source. If people say, hey, do you have a, I'm not going to charge you for it. I'm like, yeah, sure, I got this thing. I'll take it and run with it. I don't know. It's just the way I like to live in the world. But So people can link through the website to most of that stuff. Or if you're looking for something that you can't find, you can contact me that way as well through the website. We've got literature references that inform our practice there. We've got other literature articles that have been written about us, some other community resources as well. Great. I'll put that in the show description. This has been wonderful, Susan. I appreciate your time. It's been really fun to catch up. Thanks for letting me talk for a whole hour. It's like a dream. (laughs) (laughs) thank you and let me know if there's anything else that you need or that I can do I look forward to crossing your path more I feel like if we were geographically closer we'd probably just do monthly coffee dates or something yeah so we could always pull that off I really do want to support what you're doing because it's like a dream I have of what you're noticing is like there's this resource in there. So how can we bring this together? I feel like we have these amazing programs out there, whether it's PK Silver or your program, and they're only as good as if they can get out in the community and be delivered. And who's going to deliver them? It's been an obstacle. And I think it's an obstacle for YMCA senior centers. We have grants, we want to do these things, and we have nobody to teach. And it's just unfortunate. There are people waiting for things to come to them. So it's some of this is a systemic change, but I think I like that you're taking steps toward that. Yeah. This has been one project I've been working on, but I, and I also feel very passionate about getting more innovative programming in senior living facilities like this, like PK. I have a a colleague that does a program called Joyful Boogie. I should connect you with her because she's ready to take the next step and develop instructor trainings. It's her creating what she wished existed in the world. And I just feel like there's this opportunity to connect these people that can deliver innovative programming. What I'm doing right now, I really think, so this is where I'm at this crux. And like I had mentioned before, the social good accelerator. I'm also up against this wall, which you probably understand, which is I'm a movement professional. If I'm offering parkour, for example, what do I charge for parkour? Do I want to charge a price that's fair to me to make a living? But I can't do it on the backs of people on fixed income. 
So if we're offering stuff to people on fixed income, there's the, I need to make money, but yet I want to make it accessible. And there's how do you bridge the gap? So I've been thinking of various ways to do it. And so this program I'm in, that is the main problem I want to solve, or at least try to work toward. I don't want to become a grant writer. Yeah. My goal is to, I don't mind organizing. I don't mind doing the trainings. I like that part. I don't mind doing some of the planning and stuff, but I don't want to be an accountant, an attorney, or a grant writer. That's not what I signed up for. So yeah. I need to figure out where and how to organize it. So do I create a B corporation out of this instead of a nonprofit? Which is the right way to go so I can sustain it. And so that I can charge a fair price while still not undercutting other movement professionals, if that makes sense. Yeah. I charge 50 bucks for a 10 week thing. And this somebody at the circus space here, they're like, Hey, people are going to go away from my stuff and go toward your stuff because you're charging way too little. That's also, uh, I think is part of this problem. That's the same thing is how do you get it into the world in a sustainable way? So yes. you can do anything one time, but to keep doing it and to have it have some legs and some roots. And then I think that also can help draw people to it. If it feels secure and if it feels solid, does that make sense? Right. It makes total sense. I think yeah, that's a piece of it that I'm super uncomfortable with that I just want to, I just need to face and deal with. And I think I'm probably going to need to hire or jump into territory that I don't like so much. All the yeah. money. Yeah. Like you said, the unsexy business stuff. Yep. I would love to stay in touch and keep the conversation going. Cause I just feel like we have so many people that are feel so passionate about this and want to get this in front of the older adult population. But like you said, how do you do it in a sustainable way? And how can we combine resources, brains? It really is partnerships. One of the things mm -hmm. I think is, okay, there's a group in town already catering to older adults. They're doing all the grant writing. Why don't I just plug in? Why should I compete with them and also do all the work when they're already doing the work. Let's figure out how to play together in some way. If you're interested in becoming a fitness professional, the Functional Aging Institute is the go-to source for training mature clients by providing fitness professionals with the most current, up-to-date, and forward-thinking techniques and strategies. They offer certifications, videos, seminars, and on-site workshops. If you're interested in an FAI certification, there's a link to get 20% off the group exercise and functional aging specialist certification in the show notes. Want to connect with the guests on this podcast? Join the Second Act Fit Pros LinkedIn group. The group was created to connect aspiring fitness professionals to those currently working in the field and share resources. A link to the group is in the show notes. If you're interested in becoming a health and fitness professional, email me at secondactfitpros at gmail.com. I'd love to connect with you. If you are a health and fitness professional and serving the over 50 population, I'd love to hear from you as well. Email me at secondactfitpros at gmail.com.
with you and your official stuff. That is really cool. Yeah. I just cut the microphone to make it look very official. This is the amateur hour over here. <laughs> you know what? You're not supposed to advertise those things. Perception is reality. 